Imagine a world where men stepped up and answered God's call to reach their full potential. Imagine a world where men put their faith and trust in God unwaveringly and without qualification. Imagine a world where men lived out God's purpose for them in everything they do. It's not my credit to take explores the awe and wonder of how God shows up in the lives of strong, principled Christian men from all walks of life. Get ready to laugh, to cry, and to be transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, faithful husband, loving father, loyal friend, and unapologetically Christian. Welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. What's going on, Jason? How are you today? Good to see you, Doc. My guest today is Jason Lee. I, was, I first got to know Jason in the fall of 2013 when he and I were district managers for a specialty retail organization called MyFitFoods. Prior to that, we knew one another as district managers for 24-hour fitness, but our paths didn't really cross that, all that often. Today, Jason is the vice president for Exponent Prosperity Accelerator Advisors. That's a bit of a mouthful there, Jason. It is. Uh, which is an organization that provides solutions for executive retention, forward-thinking tax strategies, major capital purchases, and personal and business wealth planning. He's also the host of the Economic Alliance Houston Port Region podcast, in addition to a no number of other ventures. As the consummate entrepreneur, Jason believes that people who are willing to bet on themselves serve as the lifeblood of our nation and that they deserve advisors who are committed to helping them go from simply having a business that provides a great lifestyle to one that creates legacy. Jason and his wife Blair have been married for five years and they have one child. Jason, welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here, man. I'm excited and uh, glad you're, you're doing this. It's it's been an interesting time period, uh, and I know you and I spoke uh, prior to you know this recording. And the my enthusiasm hasn't changed. In fact, it's only grown with this idea that this is this is a ministry. And I was put in contact with someone that's going to help me set up a five hundred one c three at no charge. I mean, this, it's it's really amazing how God's just moving pieces you know, around to make yeah. this thing happen. Once you move, he moves with you. That's usually how that goes. Yeah. So I remember the few days we spent together in Houston. Now this is going back to 2013 where, when we both worked at MyFit Foods. Do Jeez. you believe it's been a decade? decade? That's crazy. That's unbelievable. I'd like to, I'd like to know what your impression of the organization was. Cause candidly, it was, it was one of those periods in my life where I needed the money and, and I pursued the job because of the money, but I, I didn't ever really get a good vibe. It generally, there were a number of people that I've been able to maintain relationships with subsequent to that experience. What was your overall impression? Well, I mean, ultimately, right. The company, uh, I think a year later after our being there um, or, and, or maybe about two years, probably about a year after I left, but two years after that went bankrupt. Right. So, um, I mean, that just kind of tells you the trajectory that they were on. But um, in regards to the people, um, I think the people were the right folks. I mean, meaning it was an organization that was full of loving and caring people. Uh, the original founder, I still know him. His name is Mario and, and we're still friends. Um, a lot of transformation through that process for him uh, that I've come to you know learn. Uh, and then again, he's gone out and rebranded it and, and really kept the same name, but really retold the entire organization and, and is rebuilt it. But my season there, though, it was one of those things where um, 
I, I remember leaving because the the guy who was running the organization, Harry Rio, was a men, mentor of mine, and um, I, you know any opportunity to come work with him. So I stepped away from uh, uh, my my career at Twenty Four Hour Fitness, where I'd spent my entire career, to kind of pursue this with the hopes and dreams of it being uh, you know the next big thing. And uh, and then I got there and went, oh boy. Um, I think the, the writing's on the wall on this deal. Um, and I think a lot of that was, uh, you know, a lot of times these private equity companies come in and then they, I think they have an envision, a vision of what they think they're going to go do uh, with an organization, but they really don't have the resources or tools appropriately in place to go make that happen. And I could just sense that there was a lot of uh, uh, gaps there. So like I said, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good people, a lot of heart, um, maybe not the right, uh, time and place for that organization to be put together the way that it was. That's a terrific point. Harry's amazing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the opportunity to work as closely as you did during our 24 hour fitness days, but he he's, he's good people. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. One of the best. So, yeah. So tell us about your background and how you ended up where you are today. Mm. Well, I grew up in the fitness industry. Um, that was you know, my, my passion still is a passion of mine, uh, health and fitness always will be, um, love it, do it every day. Uh, still try to coach people on the priority of it. Even, you know, all the time, even my clients and wealth, whenever I'm around them or get a chance to be it, I try to be a living, I guess, living proof on that. Right. I eat clean, live clean, uh, just been part of my DNA. Um, had a great career with that organization. Uh, they, they too also, I believe lost their way um, as, as they continue to go through leadership changes. And um, that's what caused me to start seeking. But honestly, as I started to seek what I, what I, I think what I was seeking was it was always that I always felt like I was one step behind. Right. So when I got to 24 hour fitness, the guys that were in front of me uh, had equitable opportunities and they went on to get big paydays when the company sold. And I always kind of thought all I need to do is get with that one organization where I can get on the train uh, uh, at the right time. And then I'll have a big payday, right? Like, cause, and so what, uh, what I did is that was my, what led me to my fit foods. And then after that started to go the other direction, um, you know, I think I had been now probably 16, six, 16 total years, 17 years in, in fitness, um, started doing what most guys do where, where, where you're not really gratified in things. So you just start thinking maybe it's the career, maybe, you know, it's always the job, um, you know, I, if I could just get this one thing, then I'd be there. Um, so uh, I, I didn't have a degree. So I said, okay, well, what, what can I do? Um, mortgages, real estate. Um, and and I, I landed on financial advisor. And I think a lot of that was because of uh, uh, the symbiotic relationship of health and wealth, right? So it's still coaching. It's still being engaged with people. It's process driven. Um, so stuff that I knew well in fitness really applies over into the wealth space as well, right? Getting people in line with a goal and then trying to help ensure that they follow the process to get that goal. It's not transactional for lack of a better term. Um, and so, and I like that. I like that. I like the idea that I'm not in a transactional cell. Um, did that. Um, the, the, the day that I was getting licensed for my securities license, uh, meaning I had a series seven exam on that Friday, my ex-wife left that Monday. Um, and that became my entrepreneurial journey and, uh, the, the year of my divorce at the same time. So, um, and, and again, there's a big undertone to that, our, our you know, backstory to that entire deal leading up to this stuff. But I think a lot of that was that guy that was searching and seeking 
So I'm thinking I'm going to find it with this new illustrious career as a financial professional. Um, went out, battled that battle for about two years. Um, and then uh, I ended up throwing in the towel after running out of money. And, um, you know, I went through a divorce during that season. So starting a business and going through a divorce at the same time are probably I wouldn't recommend that for a lot of folks. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, you know, and honestly, to be very candid at the time, I was so, so lost, right. Um, for what I really wanted, I think it would have been hard to push through anything because I, I had no clarity of purpose. Right. Um, I just was, okay. You know, if I can just get this job and if I can just get to this amount of money. Um, uh, and so when I started to get my teeth kicked in, it was hard to fight because uh, I didn't really know what I was fighting for. Um, other than just my pride. So then I, I went, uh, I ended up, uh, ironically back at 24 hour fitness, kind of licking my wounds and, uh, healing myself. Um, and then, uh, stayed there for a little while, just like a, a short stint. And then the guy that discipled me, mentored me, um, his best friend is also part of a men's ministry that I'm a part of. And we got plugged in together and, um, was given my testimony one day, this is about six years ago. Um, and uh, he found out that I had securities licenses and uh, said, hey, well, perhaps we could talk about what I do and um, ended up in his office right right, right before Harvey uh, here in Houston, uh, before the big flood. And um, uh, th that went well. Um, transitioned from what I was doing. Uh, actually spent a couple of months putting houses together because they were they weren't really ready to bring me on yet because the hurricane had just happened and, everybody, and they had had some people at their office with flooded homes so I was kind of actually in between work so the only time I've ever been where I just didn't didn't have any work to do like I was so I actually got to spend about two months uh, putting houses together or, or tearing them apart um, here in Houston and kind of that was fun and then um, ended up where I'm at today and I've been doing it for uh, a little bit almost it'll be six years um, this year. So got it. So a couple of questions with regard to your background, did, did career get in the way of you, your first marriage? And I, I ask that because my marriage to my daughter's mother, we had our priorities completely out of whack. Mm -hmm. It was career and everything. Second, God was nowhere to be found in our, in our marriage. And then, you know, a number of years later, our daughter's born and, you know, she became first and then career was second. We just had it all really messed up. Was was there any of that in your first marriage? And did that contribute to it just dissolving? Yeah. So um, well, let me let me correct one thing earlier. You stated uh, or my daughter, but my daughter is from my first marriage. Um, and so um, and so, yes, similar to what you just described. Um, I, I would say that um, I think for most people, when you go, when you, when, with, with what the world will tell us to do, uh, and I, so I didn't really grow up with a father. So um, what I envisioned from a uh, role of manliness is what the world would tell me a man does, which is, you know, um, and again, I'm look, I'm, I'm literally on the outside looking in on what this would look like. And so what I thought was supposed to be done was I'm supposed to, uh, get the house or get the, you know, vice president job, get the house, get the golf course home, get the Escalade, get the stuff and uh, get the wife, then get the baby and then, you know, made it, I've arrived. Um, and uh, 
what it felt like was the more stuff that I got, the more I felt trapped by this job and that I felt this un crazy amount of pressure. Um, it was, it was weird when I was young and I, I really had no expectation, pressure, fear. Um, I, I just was, my career was, had a ridiculous trajectory. It was at the point that I became responsible for this family that all of a sudden, uh, you know, every move I made, I questioned and thought, and is this story, you know, what is this going to happen? And, um, and so then that created kind of a perpetual cycle where, you know, I, if, if, uh, if I was, and, you know, and every year you probably remember this, Ed, you know, no matter how good you did, then the next year they just raise your goal. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, next, one, last year I'm the best this year, you know, I'm third best. And then I, you know, then, you know, so I'm always pushing to be the best. Um, and that's kind of, and honestly, that's how you measured yourself. That's, that's, that's really how I gained my value in the world was how many trophies I got, how many uh, victories I got. And so, um, yeah. So when it, when it came to my household, it was um, everything evolved, revolved around making sure that I could go carry the load uh, at work. That was the, that was the concept, right? That's how I envisioned, you know, meaning I would come home and say, I've got to leave this house today. I need this, 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 and this so that I can go do this, this, this. It was almost like I had a, a, a administrative assistant at home that I was leaning on, which was really an unfair way to run your marriage. Um, but that's how I treated it. Cause that's how I thought it was supposed to be. Right. Like I go out and kill everything and come home and you cook it. Right. Like that's, that was kind of the, uh, the concept and being that my ex-wife was a really good a driver. I mean, the things that lured me to her in the first place was her personality of being committed to growth and, um, all this other stuff. So when I got married, I, I kind of stripped all that with this concept of, you know, it's my career, my career, my career. And, you know, um, and, uh, and not really integrated into this family, this family, this family, and how to run that and how to actually be in a marriage. I'm not sure how to say this next part without it almost sounding like I feel a sense of gratification, but it, it, your, your story and my story are, are, they're parallel stories. And so much of, so much of the human experience is acceptance and belonging and to hear you tell the story where your your life was in your marriage was seemingly unbalanced makes me feel marginally better that I wasn't the only one. If that makes sense. I think I think if you were to ask most men, they would say that's where they're at. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just not talked about, right? Because the nobody wants to come. Nobody's comfortable going out there and saying I'm battling this stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and. That's that's a question I want to I want to get to here in a little bit. The I'm thinking about the sort of the time frame. So you and you and Blair been been married five years. Did mm -hmm. you did, were you brought to Christ before having met her or before your marriage? What's the chronology of how how you came to Christ? Came to Christ in March sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. That was when I gave my life to Christ. Um, I think in July, I don't know the exact day in July is really the time that I actually believed I, I kind of have an encounter with the Holy spirit. Um, and so those are two, one was the day that I professed his, his, you know, being in my life. And then about four months later, I actually felt like his presence for lack of a better term. 
And uh, that was the the turning point for my life for the most part when I made the decision that it wasn't just going to be a, a, a talk for me. I, was, I wasn't going to just talk the talk. I was going to walk the walk. Um, and that was a, the biggest shift. And that started from, so the divorce uh, was probably the bigger, that was, uh, uh, you know, and again, one, probably one of the more painful things and confusing things about people's uh, faith journey is that there's oft, oftentimes there's a, there's an absolute destructive moment that will, will cause somebody to turn to God. And um, I'll never, I'll, I, I still can't understand that. I just don't get it, but um, it's what it took for me. Right. So up into that point, I, I, I didn't have a need, desire or, or, or thought about him. Um, and so uh, at the point that I, I finally felt like um, I was a failure and no matter what I was going to do, I wasn't going to be able to figure out how to fix this marriage my first real encounter with um, something I couldn't just go sell my way out of. Um, and so um, I just threw up my hands and started uh, said, well, what, what, what do other people do? So I guess I'll walk into church and try to see if that'll help. Um, and that's, that's kind of how our journey started. And um, unfortunately <laughs> um, I took faith at first and turned it into a, um, I weaponized it. So I turned it into a, uh, when I, you know, my, I tried to, uh, you know, I immediately went into, into church. I immediately signed up to lead a life leadership group. I immediately, you know, I immediately came in and tried to Jason Lee it like I would anything else. Um, and so much in fact that, um, you know, if you, if those that are probably listening to this, they're very familiar with the Pharisees, but you know, I, I just immediately signed up to be a Pharisee. Like I said, that was like my, I was like, I'm just going to be that guy. I had no idea what it was, but I was like, I will absolutely <laughs> use this stuff. I will, I will figure out which scriptures to memorize, to use for what I want. And, you know, and so uh, I, I mean, I just totally destroyed that stuff right out the gate. Um, did that for about a year. Um, and then uh, I come kind of started getting destroyed and through the divorce and, uh, and then God brought a man into my life and uh, that's all she wrote. He's, he, he pulled me aside and started investing me one-on-one through discipleship. And then, um, you know, we spent about a year together uh, a lot and, um, and just going through everything. We went through this series of books that kind of navigates you into the, to the realm of Christ and helps you understand who he is and pursue an intimate relationship with him. And then, through that process, um, uh, that's how I ultimately came to Christ, which was again in 16. And then, um, a couple of years later, um, uh, you know, I met, so I met Blair five years, so two years later in 2018. So that's when we met. Now the different wife does my Blair doesn't even know the same Jason, like the original Jason. So gosh, I'm so glad you said that out loud. One of the, one of the things that, that I've experienced in the last two and a half years is this recognition that I am quite literally a different version of myself. And it is, it's interest. It's an interesting psychological space in that when we look back at the previous version, we're just like, my gosh, I was that guy. Oh yeah. It's crazy. It really, it, it really is. It, it really is interesting. So, for anyone who happens to be listening that is a non-believer, or is a Christian but has, 
either voluntarily or involuntarily create a distance from God. Either they've chosen to do it or maybe life distraction has created that distance. How would you describe that encounter with the Holy Spirit? So you got saved and then a little bit of time passed and then you you felt it. What did you feel? What was that like? Mm. Well, so when I got, uh, when I told, told you I threw in the towel and I was getting hired back to 24 hour fitness, um, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I'd worked there forever. They were ready to give me a, me a job. Um, and, uh, yet for some reason, my background got held up. They screwed up my paperwork. It was, it's one thing after another. Um, you know, my background got held up in California. I've never lived in California. So that just tells you the weird, uh, and again, I, to, to give you some backdrop, I was professing my faith and my, and that I'd given my life to Christ, but the head, the head trash was, wasn't gone. Um, mm-hmm. I still felt like a loser. I felt like I, uh, I, I had, I would tell you to your face, all the stuff that I was doing and what God meant in my life. And then, um, you know, and I, and I would pray and read the Bible and do all those things. But then at night alone, broke, sitting in my apartment, waiting to go to back to my, to my gym, right. After having been an executive, now here I am going to run a, a single club. I was just literally looking in the mirror going, you are a loser. You're, you suck. You, you're horrible. What did you do? What did you do to your life? And um, all of that just repetitively. So I don't think God was uh, going to get, let me, let me, moved to the next stage until he got some alone time with me. And, uh, and not very many people are going to get this opportunity, but I believe I did. And I'm thankful for that. And so, so it took him 42 days to hire me back. And so I tell people, you know, um, Christ spent 40 days. And if you go into the Bible, there's a 40 day season, 40 years, 40 something pretty significant. Um, and about the 37th day was when that happened. And, um, I can, I mean, I just, I, I know it, I know the intersection. I know where I was at. I left the 24 hour fitness in Pearland, Texas. Um, I exited the gym. It was just all I did because I didn't have a job right now. I didn't have any money is I went to the gym. I went home. I read the Bible. I walked around the little park and prayed and talked to, to God and went home and waited for my daughter and you know, get out of school or do whatever and uh, take care. And then, you know, I'd go back to waiting for phone calls to tell me to go to work. And so um, that day I'd been just trashing my head, trashing my head. And um, I got on the road and there's a song by uh, Jeremy Camp uh, that says uh, it's called Sweetly Broken. And the words are at the cross, you beckon me, you draw me gently to my knees. I'm sweetly broken. And the whole song is about just I'm just broke, man, like I'm done, like, you know, and and that's that I, mean, I almost get teared up thinking about it still the um that was it. I just said, I'm done. I just, I am, I am broken and I am, I can't do this anymore and I need you. And, um, and so it wasn't, it wasn't a profession. I didn't get baptized. Like the baptism, see a part of that was me wanting to like that. That was my, like my moment, you know, I wanted everybody to be there for my baptism and my mom and my daughter, you know, like this was just a me and God moment. It was just a, you know, I'm white knuckling the steering wheel. I'm standing at a light and I'm falling and I feel like something hit me in my chest and it just feels like a whole life is shifting. And then um, I drove immediately to where my church is at. They have a big cross up there and it's on a hill. 
And uh, I just didn't know what I was. I'm, I got to get to that cross. And I drove straight to that cross. And I, uh, and I spent the next few hours there, man, just letting it all, all out. And, uh, and then when I came up from that kind of experience, um, I was like, oh, man, I, I, I immediately felt like a child of God. You know, I just I felt like uh, I felt like it didn't matter what I was going to be. It didn't matter, you know, if I was running a gym or if I was working at a McDonald's, it didn't matter um, because God had a plan for me and and I was important to him. And, uh, and that's that was it. So that's the I wish I could give that to other people because uh, it's it's I don't know. I just feel like I feel like a lot of people, Christians might even go through their entire lives and not ever get to actually have that experience. I. I can relate on some level too, maybe in just a little bit of a different way where I, I intellectualize God. Right. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't until like you where I just surrendered. I mean, it not white flag, give up on life, but white flag, just like I, I simply cannot do any more on my own. Right. And, um, and I, I need some help here. And I, I and it, it's like in that moment when, we finally are willing to be vulnerable enough to expose our heart. It gets filled. 100%. Yep. Okay. So then since then, I mean, that was a fairly transformative moment. Since then, has, has your faith in God wavered? Have you gone through any seasons where it's just, a, it's a bit of a struggle? <laughs> All the time. Right. Uh, and that's that's normal. Right. Um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is um, and this and this just hit me the other day um, is John, who John the Baptist, um, when he baptized, you know, he's the guy that baptized and, and, and was calling on Jesus um, when he is in prison. He sends those two guys to go ask Jesus to confirm that he's the Messiah. Um, and it, and it, so it kind of gave me some reassurance because, um, John literally was there when God sent this dove down and his voice came out, God's voice literally came down and said, this is my son who I'm pleased with. Yet, um, a few months later he's sent in prison and all of a sudden he's sending people go like, Hey, I need to know if this is like really happening. Um, and so I, I, that kind of gave me some assurance that it's totally normal. And, but yeah, it's, it's all the time. I mean, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. So one week I'm like the, I'm the baddest, best sales guy on the planet and you can't stop me and yada, yada, yada. And then the next week I'm, I can't close anything and nobody wants to do business. And this is it. It's the end. I'll never make another dollar. Um, you know, I battled, um, uh, God, uh, I mean the, you know, the pandemic, I lost clients right out the gate. You know, I was, I was like the super huge takeoff of my business. It seemed like everything was going right. And then all of a sudden it just shifted. Uh, I had to battle through that. Then uh, battled sickness uh, for the last, I mean, I'm, you know, praise God, I'm, I'm healthy for four, the last four months. Now, well, no, now five. Thank you. Um, but 18 prior to that, um, uh, brutal, you know, uh, I was, when I met my wife, that wife, I was 40 pounds bigger of muscle. And um, now I've got messed up shoulder. I got bulging discs in my neck. Um, so, I mean, I look at the last five years, I was just telling my wife, it's like, we've been through, um, she's battled stuff. We've just had these, you know, there, there are these battles that you, you think, oh, I gave my life to Christ. So it, it should be golden. 
Um, so has my faith wavered? No. Have I wrestled with God? Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's been seasons when I don't want to go. I just don't, I just don't read my Bible. There's been seasons when I just don't want to have anything to do with it. And I need to take a pause, um, because it's just not there. Um, but usually what I've found is when there's something not there, there's something that I have to internally tackle. There's a, there's a, it's a pride thing. There's a guilt thing. There's a, there's a, there's a secret sin that's consuming me. Uh, and I'm letting it control me. And then God over time will wrestle that away from me and I'll see it and then I'll put it away. And usually every time that gets stripped off, there's just this newer layer of Jason. So, you know, I think we all come, we all have this mountaintop or most of us will have a mountaintop moment, depending on how it impacts us. Um, but you know, you know, life has a lot more valleys than mountaintops. So, um, I guess so. Yeah. The answer to your question is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, right it's, you, not, not a sprint, dude. No doubt about it. right. Right. When you mentioned mountaintop, like, well, we all get that once we get to the top of that particular mountain and we look out, there are way more peaks and the only way to go is down. Back down. Uh, so you, you had ref, just referenced maybe you're grappling with, you know, maybe sin that was in your blind spot, those moments. And you also said earlier in our conversation that a lot of times with what we're struggling with, particularly as men, we don't feel comfortable talking about it. Like I, I know in my first marriage, I didn't feel comfortable even talking to my, my then wife about, Hey, look, I, I think our priorities are out of whack or I think this is unbalanced or in, so, and we just kind of go through the motions and, you know, it leads to all sorts of uh, negative outcomes. How can, like for you and I, how can you and I show up differently and do a better job going forward to help men feel more comfortable having these important conversations that we know that if we can reconcile some of that, it, we're going to just live a more joyful, fulfilling life. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's proven out through our lives. And so meaning through living proof through actually, um, you know, I, I don't, I think you have to make a conscious effort to invest in men and, and, and so, or invest in other people. And, but, and, but I, I think, Sometimes as Christians, um, because that's who we are, we're, we're men, we, we, we can we can really um, we can really humanize the spirit by going after it with our own intentions. Right. Like so we can actual we can. OK, I'll go you know, do this and I'll go do this. And so we, we, we have this checkbox mentality so that we can feel good about what we've done. Um, and then that makes it difficult for men, I think, sometimes to be transparent because how can you create a transparent environment if everybody's got to look like the right kind of Christian? So um, what I believe where it really lies is you don't go leading with your, you know, you've got your cross, right? But you're not leading with the cross. You're leading with the relationship. You're, you're, you're just trying to pour into people, spend time with them, make yourself available and then the spirit will lead that opportunity to, to a discussion where, you know, Christ can make himself known. Um, 
and but they'll see it in you. They'll see your transparency. They'll see your comfortableness talking about those rough things. They'll go, whoa, this is different. I don't get this, you know, because, I mean, dude, I've sat through a, a thousand superficial Bible studies, man. Like, you know, uh, super, you know, uh, you know, we got to lead and put on the armor of God and da, 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 you know, and like, and like nine, you know, you know, half that room is dudes that are just getting destroyed inside. Marriages are tough. They're cheating on their wives. They've got porn addictions. They've got all these things. And everybody says, you got to do this stuff. But then they're looking around the room. They're like, well, like who's doing it? Cause I, you know, I'd like to get with that guy. But then no one's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not, you know, I'm a deacon. I'm a, you know, it's like, so everybody's got these, these roles, which makes it very, very difficult for them to just open up and say, I'm a screwed up, messed up dude. And I, I actually need this to just even exist, man. Cause without it, I'm an absolute wreck. Um, Paul did that. Paul said it. He said, I do the things I don't even want to do. I'm like, you know, and, you know, he, Paul, Paul waking up, he's here, he is with Christ in his heart and he's probably looking at chicks going, man, I like that. You know, he's, he's doing that and he's like, dang it, you know, but that's what we are, right? We're just these big screw ups. So I think what we have to do is be comfortable being a screw up and knowing it and just letting people know that, Hey, you know, um, God, God picked a whole lot of screw ups. Dave was a screw up. Moses was a screw up, you know? So uh, be comfortable being a screw up, I guess. Yeah, definitely not on that scale between David or Moses or, or Paul. I mean, thinking about it's not my credit to take as a ministry. I'm like, and you want me to steward this? I mean, right. seriously? It's like, okay. Um, what, I, what I find interesting too in what, in what you said was this idea that men have been socialized to avoid showing vulnerability because vulnerability obviously must equal weakness. And if we do that, then we're going to be viewed at viewed as weak or we're going to be judged negatively. What's fascinating is that the opposite is true almost every time. Whenever we do put ourselves out there and say, you know what, I'm broken. And here are the different ways that I'm aware of that I'm broken. I, I, I don't have a, I don't have a good answer to if, if I were asked the questions like how, how do you create a, you know, that comfortable space to be able to uh, have someone show up and, and just ground in the notion that the truth is stubborn and it's always enough. And if I, if, if I internalize what you had said first, it's not so much leading with your theology, but really trying to relate and connect with them where they are. Did I internalize that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. So as far as, as far as your work, so you spent a, a long time in the commercial health and fitness industry. Now you're in, um, you're in you know, wealth planning, succession planning, really dynamic, uh, dynamic career. Do you view your work as a ministry of sorts? And if so, have you been able to weave your faith into that work? Um, well, I think um, if you choose to, you can make any work a ministry, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I, I will say this. Um, when I was trying to determine, not, not trying, but as I went out and tried to think 
you know, even today, right. I get approached by people for job opportunities and, and things like that. And, um, you know, and usually it's like snuck in at lunch or whatever, you know, and I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So you're recruiting me. Um, but I was like, man, I was hoping to try to like get some business from you. Um, but then what, <laughs> ends up, what ends up happening in a conversation though is, is, is I'm always just checking and asking around with culture. And one of the things that was alluring to the opportunity that I'm in now is I, I have a boss, right? I have a team. We, we deliver on this stuff, but ultimately I am who I am. And, um, and I, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty out and about, about my faith. I'm very transparent with it. Um, but I also, I'm, I'm, I get nervous about it, right? Because I think when people think that the, then those, those questions are like, okay, you know, it, A, is it authentic, right? Is, is he just trying to, you know, is that because sometimes it could be viewed as a lack of authenticity. B, um, doesn't mean I'm not going to screw stuff up, right? Like, you know, I think when people, when, when you're claiming to be a Christian guy or whatever, then people automatically assume you're not going to uh, maybe make mistakes or that you're, you know, think, does that make sense? It's almost like you're trying to put yourself out there and then people automatically, are, well, you know, you did this thing and, um, you know, um, and I, and sometimes I hold myself to that deal, right? Like for the longest time I said yes to everything because I thought everybody's going to, you know, think I'm not, as good of a guy if I don't show up to everything. Well, that was killing me. So I had to, I had to get rid of that and I had to stop that. Um, and so, um, but yeah, I think we, I think, I think honestly our whole life should be a ministry. Right. And so I think our first line of ministry is at home. And then our next line of ministry is our, is in our career. Um, and yes, my work has been able to allow me to do it. I, I, I put, I weave my faith into my, my social media platforms um, regularly. Um, I, when, when the opportunity presents itself, I've prayed with guys. Um, I have guys right now, um, that are on two pursuit lists. And I, I'll just say that they have two, I have two lists. I'm pursuing them because maybe I want to do business with them, but I've also, I'm pursuing them, uh, cause I want, I'm more interested in their souls. Um, and so, uh, and I'm, and I'll leave the, I'll leave the, I'll leave the outcome to God, if that makes sense. So um, I have two, you know, they're on both lists. You know, they're, I want them, they're a prospect for um, business, but they're also a prospect for Jesus. And so that's always kind of my thought process is, is go, go out and be with as many people as possible and then allow God to, to use me however he chooses, whether it's for business or ministry. And ministry could be as something as simple as, uh, being there for them. And I, and again, it's never to pound on them. And, you know, if you just got some God in your life or maybe you should try church, I don't do that kind of ministry. It's like more like a, I just want them to see me and go, okay, well, something's, you know, something's different, you know, something's going on. I had a, um, dinner the other night with the guy and, um, I was just telling him how I met my wife and how I had given up on a lot of things that I was doing and I had made a firm commitment to approach, but and it wasn't out of legalism that I decided to stop those things. It was out of a genuine heart for God that says, look, I, I'm not doing this because I legalistically feel like I have to. I'm doing this because I love you, God. And um, and I believe you love me, too. So I think you're going to bring me one of your daughters and she's going to be amazing. I just need to act like the kind of man that deserves that kind of daughter. And so when I made that decision, um, it was just a few months later, my wife came into my life. And so, um, and he rewarded that. Right. 
And I, I was having this conversation with a guy over dinner who his parents turned him away from Christ so long ago. He's in, in my, my personal opinion. Um, he was like, he's like in my personal, he, he's going to be the best Christian ever. He just needs to understand. It's not about some of the stuff that he had faced in his childhood. And so I didn't press anything on him, but one thing that I really felt in that moment afterwards, cause he goes, wow. Okay. So you, you know, you, uh, he goes, that's, that's, he goes, that's real conviction was his words. And he goes, I don't, you rarely hear people who had that thing, you know? And I was like, well, I'm not, I, and I'm not doing it because as I, I feel like I have to, I don't feel like God's making me. I don't feel like if I don't do this, I'm not getting into heaven or that I'm not going to fit in at the church. You know, I just made that conscious decision because I decided that the best way I could show love to God is just do the things that he's asking me to do. It's interesting that you brought up something a, a little bit ago related to other people finding out that we're Christians. Why do you think there's this stereotype that if you are, if you communicate outwardly of your faith, there's this almost immediate, I don't know if it's a judgment, but there's almost this immediate response that say, oh, well, you, you must be perfect. When in reality, we're all hypocrites. The question isn't whether or not we are a hypocrite. The question is, what are we hypocritical about? And so what's your, what's your take on that? And then the gentleman that you just described, did, did you get the sense that he felt that way too relative to his experience being you know, put off by his parents? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think we've all experienced that. I mean, at some level, um, and and I think that's what happens, right? And so I think that's probably one of the bigger challenges uh, in the church today is that um, people are they they take their ideology and allow it to trump their theology, and by doing so, they go out and they wave this flag that of division um, when you know. You know, in my personal opinion, I, 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 the last way you're going to win over a lost person to everyone having anything to do with Christ is by banging them over the head with something. You know, it's just not going to work that way. Um, and so the same thing goes when it comes to this kind of judgment piece. Um, you know, I've, I've had people who don't associate with me anymore from my past life, uh, not because I've, of any other thing, but I, I think that they've opted to think that I think I'm better than them now or that I'm you know, that I'm, you know, and I'm like, I've done nothing to portray that other than just, you know, um, be who I am now. Right. Which, which is, but I don't think that, I don't know if that necessarily has anything to do with me being different as much as it has something to do a lot of times with that internal, like, it's like, here's a good example. I used to, um, I used to think all pastors, you know, I, I just, my, my thing before Christ was, it's all about money, you know, like, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like that, I had already preconceived that deal. It was a bunch of hypocrisy and these things were just about making money. And I could go into a church and hear the best service ever for Easter or whatever. And then whenever the collection plate came around, I was like, there they go. It's what there it's them. And I had, I think I could have given the best sermon in the planet. And um, I, I, I was there to absolutely criticize the entire deal. And that all started with, me being around 14 years old, 
strung out, lost, on drugs, going through a battle in my life, seeking help, walking into a church in Deer Park, Texas, um, because there were cars there and there was a cross out in front. And I was said, I'm going to walk into this church. And I'll never forget. I walked in. I had my little skater pants on and had a little spiky hair and stuff. I was the I was that outcast skater kid. And I remember the old white people in the church going, hey, you can't come in here like that. And I went, oh, all right. So then I met, you know, I threw him the finger and walked out and said, well, that's that, that's who those people are. So that was my and then that was there from there until 30 something when I met dudes who were actually just there for me and, and were there listening to me screw up and walk me through life and uh, and then just taught, told me to pursue Christ not and, 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 and to step away from all the legalism and stuff that was inside of it. And then what I found was that legal people think that legalism says you can't do this. You can't. And so then they, they feel like there's this hypocrisy to it when reality is he wants you to enjoy so much more. You know, he's like, hey, I want you to have great sex with your wife. You know, like I created that. Like, think about it. Think about creation. Like, did that have to feel good? Like, it didn't have to. It could have just been robotic, right? It could be like, you know, but we got we got that gift. So people look at it the wrong way, right? So like, I don't know. It's just, I want you to enjoy it. Just enjoy it with the right person, right? Don't, don't, don't use it out of this thing. You know, I, I, Jesus literally turned an entire thing of water into wine to keep the party going. I mean, that's, that's a pretty cool God, right? Like, (laughs) right. Like they're like, the party's almost over. And he's like, no, no, I got this. Bam. And then there's wine. I'm like, so, but, but what he didn't say was, but let this wine consume you and then go beat your wife because you got out of control or go start a fight in the neighborhood because of that, or don't go, go to work tomorrow because you're too hungover to, to be a man and get up and do your stuff. So there's a, there's this bridge between things, but we only want to see the stuff. And then we place that judgment on the other person. Oh, he's too good. Or he thinks he's this, or he thinks he's that. That's never really about the Christian guy that they have the problem with. It's, it's always the internal guy that they don't want to face. That's right. And I think that's really where it's centered, but but yeah, I think that's what we're battling, right? So that's so good. <laughs> I, I, it, it, right when you said that about uh, about sex with your your wife, it reminded me of what Roger Staubach said. So for the younger listeners, he was the quarterback for the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys back in the in the nineteen seventies, so just a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he was doing an interview. And he's like, I, I love sex just as much as Joe Namath does. I just do it with one girl. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Right. It was so good. It was so good. Uh, going back to the early part of this conversation, Jason, you referenced that you, you didn't really grow up with a father that, that, that was present. If you had an opportunity with, with what you know today, and everything that you've experienced, what would you say to the 14-year-old version of yourself that found himself strung out and broken and lost? Hmm. Um, well, I think I would, I would look at that person and say that, um, that you're loved and that you're created for, for, for something special. 
um, you know, that you were, that you were masterfully made and that, uh, and that you're exactly designed how I like you and how I wanted you to be. So, um, you know, every child is going to go through an identity crisis, every one of them. Um, at some point in time, every person will, and it will mostly happen in their formative years. Um, and they're, and what they want to do is they want to fit in. They want to find a click. They want to find a place to belong. And they're all going to go through that, that chain pain and that challenge. And I believe, uh, that's another gift from God. I believe he, I believe he designed it just like he designed. Uh, and then what, but what he's done is he's given us this freedom of choice and he said, okay, I'm going to give you this, um, and James, there's a voice that says, um, there's a, there's a scripture. I don't know where it's at, but he, but I, I know the scripture says, um, you know, you, you, he created a spirit that's longing, right? So it's like, meaning we start to long. And so at that age I was longing and I just, I just latched onto the wrong things, you know? And so if, if I could go back to tell that kid, listen, dude, like, I know you like, all you need to understand is that you were created by this creator. And, and so I think he wants more for you. Right. Hmm. I think he wants you to treat yourself, your body, your mind, your heart, like it's a prized possession, like it's a gift, you know, the way I would have treated school, the way I would have treated everything um, growing up would have been significantly different. I mean, Ed, the amount of things that I've, done that i can honestly say um i've the bullets that i've dodged you know never had to dodge literal bullets but i mean um the cars that i flipped the um things that i've done that that jeopardized my life um just out of a maniacal uh, approach to life that had no 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 regard for my creation i just I, I had no regard for the fact that i was brought into this earth by our creator and um and i didn't even care i just had no i had no concept of how valuable i am um and so i pursued value my whole life and then i eventually had to get to the bottom to realize my value I had no perception of what anybody else in this world had to tell me other than what god's word had to say which was you know he formed us in the womb he knew exactly who i was and who he wanted me to be that's awesome i was getting ready to ask a final follow-up which was if, if you could summarize in a, a half a dozen sentences, what you would, the advice that you would give to a man that's struggling. I, I'm not currently struggling, but I, I'm going to heed everything that you just said, because uh, I, I absolutely find inspiration in it. No doubt about it. Awesome. No doubt about it. So as we, as we put a bow on this, um, is there, are, are there any, Parting shots. Any final thoughts you know, related to this topic about how men can uh, can show up better in in the world, or maybe to be better for themselves, so they're better for the people that show up in their in their world? Um, absolutely. Um, let me see here. Um, the one thing that I would encourage men to do. And this is, this is the challenge is, um, you know, the Bible, he says, be still and know that I'm God. Right. And so, um, I think our, the world is really trying to, to, to tear us apart, uh, um, on having any kind of 
kind of relationship with God. And, and so we can even get busy doing the right things for God and with, with the right heart and the right intentions, trying to lead our families. And so oftentimes our default mechanism is to, um, to create a lot of activity. Um, but we start doing all of that activity in our own power. Um, so we get busy. We, we, we go, we're in a Bible study. We're doing the youth group. We're the greeter at the church. We're, um, you know, we're, uh, we're serving on the committee at the thing. And then we got the kids games and then we have to go to their practice. And then we got to go three different places on the weekend. And then we got to get to Costco and then we got to get the, 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 you know, so we've got all this stuff and we can be, we can be living really valiant lives. Um, being lives that, that people go, Oh man, wow, you really made this. Um, you know, you're doing all the right stuff. Um, and we can just be exhausted, just beat up, worn out, tired. Um, and it's because we have no margin. It's because we're not allowed for margin in our life. We're not, we're, we're not mastering the art of saying no. Um, and we really aren't in a lot, you know, and I've, and I'm speaking from personal experience, right? When I had no job for four, 40 days, all I could do was hang out with Jesus. And let me tell you right now, I was the happiest I've ever been. Right. And I can't, can't describe it. Sounds completely crazy. And then now, you know, I got a podcast and I'm doing podcasts with my friends and I've got a show and I got other things and I'm serving in this committee and that. And that. So I'm doing all the stuff you're supposed to do in the world to make an impact um, because you don't want to let your gifts go to waste. But at the same time, um, a lot of days I wake up and I'm, 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 I'm on empty, you know? And so what I would encourage any man is if you're on empty, um, start looking at your calendar and ask yourself, how much time am I being still with God? You know, am I inviting him uh, into everything it is that I do? Because, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to leave you an advocate, right? When he was leaving, he said, I'm giving. So, you know, he prior to that, you had to get you had to gain access to God. So you was something that was a privilege if I can get to God. And then Jesus came down and spent time with us. Then he left and said, great, good news. I, I've got to go because if I don't go, you guys don't get this guy, right? And so that Trinity, that, that, th that third part, we lose sight of so often, right? We, 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 we oftentimes think about um, that we're doing all this stuff and, and the prize is on the other side of life, right? So we got, you know, we're going to get to heaven, then we get to have eternity and all this other stuff, but God intended us for, to live in the garden today, but That's right. he wants us to walk right there with them, having that conversation, just like Adam did where they, when they said they could, God would come walking by and they could hear him talking in the garden. So we're in the garden. God, the garden hasn't changed, right? The only thing that's changed is we don't invite God into it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, you know, my, myself personally, I have to remind myself when I start feeling I'm getting crushed, I started asking myself, dude, did I talk to God today? Like, did I, you know, so maybe I just need to turn the car off on my drive home and start talking out loud. Like, God, what the heck am I doing? You know, just bleh. pretty soon you start doing enough of that and, and, and he will step in and, and you'll, you'll see things and you'll go, I'm not going to do that. Say no to that. I'm not, I'm, you know, and you're, you'll start to build and it won't be you that'll do it or, something will happen at work or something will happen with your wife. And you, instead of where you normally would let that trigger you and send you into this other universe of anger and frustration and all this other stuff, it just kind of goes 
and just flies right past you. And you're and you're like we talked about earlier. You know, you said it. You're like, who's this guy? Like, how did like that's not me, right? But then you go, oh, okay, that's that's somebody. That's that's the indwelling life of Christ, um, which is a it's almost a substitution of 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 you and your own power. So that's the only thing I would leave any man and just say, hey, you know, if you're if you're struggling, be still with God. That's tremendous advice. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing your story and how how you've you've been able to to, to navigate this after dealing with uh, dealing with you know pain that isn't just unique to you, but you you ended up finding the right uh, the right vehicle through you know, the, the, the grace and mercy of, of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. So thank you so much, Jason. As we close, would you mind uh, closing us out uh, with a prayer? Absolutely. Um, Lord, we just, uh, we love you, God, and we're thankful for you. Uh, we're thankful for your son, um, what he did for us, um, that we can have a relationship with you and that we can actually be um, kind of invite you into our lives to be a part of what we're doing at any given moment. Lord, um, I thank you for the platforms that you've created, you know, um, all these, these, uh, these tools that can be used as distraction for you can also be used to help spread your message and spread the gospel. And so I'm thankful that we have access to these tools today and that we'd, uh, and that you've, you've really put it on Ed's heart and his ministry to take this and, and just go run with it. God, it takes a lot of courage to just step out in faith and do things and, and, uh, and at the end of the day, Lord, I would just pray uh, over his ministry, over his mission and his vision for this. And uh, Lord, I would also pray uh, that if there's one man that, that needs to hear this, um, that, that they would understand that um, it's not about me. It's not about Ed. Um, it's not about us at all. Um, they might have they liked what we had to say, something might have resonated with them, but they don't go back and say, man, that guy. Uh, man, he really had a point, um, but I, but that they go, man, um, that guy pointed me back to what Jesus had to say, right? And so at the end of the day, we would just ask that the the words that were used today were just vessels for you and that they would push people back to you and to seek you uh, and to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jason. That was awesome. Thank you so much for the conversation today. Really Great to be on, man. I'm very proud of you, man. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. God bless. Awesome. You can contact the show at itsnotmycredittotake.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.